Good morning, Moore Tribe. We're so glad you could join us for our version of Church Online. We hope to bring a piece of our home and authentic atmosphere to wherever you are right now. We miss you all and pray blessings over you and your families. We will be posting more on all of our social media and would love for you to follow, watch, and comment to keep us all connected. Lastly, we want to ask you to please give online to support your church. We couldn't do any of this without you. We appreciate your support, your prayers, and the time you've taken to be with us right now. Good morning, church. Welcome to June, June the 7th. And today is the first Sunday of the month, so we know what that means. It's First Fruits Sunday. We take an offering over and above our tithe every month on the first Sunday of the month, and it's designated for a specific purpose or a specific ministry. And this, this month in June, we are taking up a special offering to build a garage for our van. Now, here's the reason we need a garage for the van. Uh, we have had uh, several catalytic converters stolen out of our parking lot over the years, and just recently uh, someone came and stole the catalytic converters out of our van, and it cost us around $1,500 to get them replaced. Also, uh, our lead musician, Matt Limberg, he had his catalytic converter stolen out of his truck, and uh, it's just been a problem in our area, and so we really need to protect our stuff, and we want to build just a, a shell of a building, something to protect the, nothing fancy, just something to protect the van and something to park it in, and so we're asking that you give towards that and give generously. That's the first fruits for this month. Um, well, welcome. We welcome you to online church again, and I have started a new series. It's called Reasons to Get Back to Church. We know that June 21st, we're all going to reconvene here, and there's reasons for I want you to come back to church, and we've been talking about that. Uh, this week, I'm going to talk about a, a reason that you maybe hadn't thought of to come back and be a part of the church. Most of the time when we talk about being part of a church, we think of the obvious reasons like, you know, friendships, uh, you know, just having good friends that know the Lord, someone you can relate to. Accountability is a big one for people. Uh, they want someone to be accountable to, to kind of help them stay on the straight and narrow. That's a huge part of being a part of a church. People that know you and you know them. Uh, and wisdom, that's maybe one you haven't thought about. But, you know, when we have life decisions and they're big decisions, it's great to be around people that share our faith, that walk in the wisdom of God. And, you know, sometimes we find the full wisdom of God in multitude of counselors. And so you talk to your friends and they help you make decisions. But today I'm going to talk about something maybe you haven't thought about. Uh, one of the main reasons that we are to be in church is, has to do with the power of forgiveness. Now, this week I talk about the power of forgiveness, and many people think about uh, forgiveness being so, sort of individual. You know, it's something you individually do, and you do, but it, there is a corporate aspect of forgiveness that uh, is very, very important. Next week I'm going to be talking about the power of restoration and how it's up to the church to restore people uh, after they've been forgiven. So, but before we get into uh, this message today, let's just pray and um, just turn our focus towards the Lord. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for this building, this place, but we thank you especially for the people, God, that you've brought to inhabit this building. I thank you for the body, God, that you've built here, that it's a body that's non-judgmental and full of love. I thank you, God, that you have just uniquely crafted this group. Uh, it's an eclectic group, God, that you've put together. And I thank you, God, that we're not all 
one uh, type, that we're all different types. And we just know, God, that in that there's a beautiful tapestry of what you can do with a group of people. So, God, today I just pray that as we teach your word that you would grow us, uh, knit us together even more than we are. Let us, God, have a conviction of righteousness to know that our place is in the church and that we serve a purpose and that it is an important purpose. And I thank you for that, God, and I pray now that you just bless the reading of your word. Uh, let your spirit come and teach, guide, minister, and just, just let there be restoration in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just this week, uh, we had another sad reminder of just how prejudiced and in, full of injustice our world is. The death of George Floyd was tragic, uh, to say the least, and as well as the death of Ahmaud Arbery, it's tragic and even horrific. You know, we said it a few weeks ago, and uh, it's, just, it's just the way it is. The world has always been full of hate. It's full of violence. It's full of injustice. It's full of prejudice. And just a reminder that it's under the sway of the devil. It's under the influence of the devil, the whole world. The church's job is to stand against that and stand against the injustice, to stand against the devil. But our response in doing that has never changed. Injustice and evil are always going to be in the world until Jesus returns. We know that. Our response is to love and to forgive. Dr. Martin Luther King, being a Methodist preacher and a, and a mighty man of God, he said it best. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. Two great statements from a great man of God that understood that we overcome evil with goodness, according to the word out of Romans 12. He understood what it meant to forgive, and he understood what it meant to walk in love. Forgiveness, something we hear about all the time, but I love this definition, and I'm going to read it here, and it'll come up on your screen. Forgiveness is the intentional, involuntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitude regarding an offense and overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance, however justified it might be. I like this definition because it says forgiveness is intentional. It's something we have to make ourselves do. It's against our human nature. It's against our, just the way we are to want to forgive. When someone hurts us or wounds us, our natural inclination is to get even, uh, to demand justice, and to even bring vengeance sometimes. So it's intentional. We have to intentionally forgive. It's voluntary. Nobody can make you do it. You can read it in the Bible all day long. You know, it says to, you know, forgive your neighbor and all that, but it doesn't do anything unless you voluntarily choose to participate in it. And lastly, it's a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes time. When, when you know you're challenged to forgive, you have to go through the process of forgiveness. Jesus preached forgiveness all the time. It was sort of the cornerstone of his teaching. And before he ascended back to heaven, he had these words to the church. He spoke these to his disciples, but he spoke them to us as well. John 20, 20 through 23. John 20, 21 through 23. Jesus said this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. Jesus gave tremendous power, authority, and responsibility to the church. He said, first of all, it begins in peace, that we are to seek peace among anything else. And that's why forgiveness is so important. He's saying also that he's commissioning us or he's sending us on the same mission that he was on. He said, as I had been sent into the world, and we know Jesus preached forgiveness all the time, he said, I am sending you into the world the same way. We are to preach forgiveness all the time. And he's saying to them that receive the Holy Spirit. This is not something you can do in your natural flesh. Forgiveness is not in our nature. It's something that requires God's Spirit to be able to lead us to do it. And then he says that if we do not forgive people's sins, their sins remain. We have tremendous responsibility to walk in an atmosphere of forgiveness no matter who walks in our doors. Because we don't want anyone's sins remaining on them simply because we don't forgive them of what they've done. Forgiveness is a, it's the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without forgiveness, Christianity means nothing. It falls apart. We as Christians must understand the significance of being forgiven and of forgiving others. So with that being said, I've asked someone that I've known for a long, long time to come up here and to share a brief testimony about forgiveness, and not only forgiveness, but even turning to trust the people that she's forgiven again. This person has had so many opportunities in her life to have to forgive, and she's taken it every time. And she's been an inspiration to me, and I've just asked her to come and share just a bit. So my wife, Wendy, is going to come up and give a short testimony about this. So please prayerfully listen as she does. Good morning, church. Pastor Darrell asked me to speak a little bit about forgiveness. So a very little bit. Here we go. Um, we all can agree that people can hurt us, sometimes with words, sometimes with an unkind look, sometimes by stealing something precious to us be it our innocence or our possessions, sometimes by the betrayal of our trust and our love. What we choose to do with this painful offense is up to us. You can choose to stuff it inside and avoid dwelling on it until something happens or uh, someone does it again to you or a loved one, and bam, there it is, painful and fresh again. You can choose hatred. It feels good feels good for a brief moment, but it only fuels the fire of the hurt that they caused you. You may feel entitled to your anger, and you probably are, but where does that leave you? Are you at peace? You can choose to forgive. What? Let them off the hook for what they did to you? Hmm. What if you were on the hook for every misdeed you have done? Well, you may say, my misdeed wasn't a betrayal or it wasn't a fill-in-the-blank, you know. There's all kinds of offenses. I found myself in such a way one day many years ago. I felt so alone, hopeless, angry, and hurt as I cried out to God. He told me that he was my best friend. You can trust a best friend, right? You should be able to. All those years ago, I was betrayed by my two closest friends, I felt insignificant, confused, invisible. My heart was crushed. But like a good friend, 
the Lord let me weep and wail for a little bit. Then he spoke clearly to me and told me that if I wanted to be forgiven, I would have to forgive. I knew that I needed, desperately needed and wanted forgiveness for my own life. I knew that I, I knew that I wasn't perfect. So I said yes in my heart to him. Forgiveness wasn't instantaneous. It wasn't a forgive and forget thing either. It was a deliberate choice each and every time the pain rose up and threatened to over, overpower my resolve. I had to choose. Some people say forgiveness is for you, not for them. I say it's for both. It can release them to experience God's love and grace in a way maybe they've never experienced before. I had someone ask me the other day, do you have to forgive someone face-to-face, or can you just speak the words and mean it? My answer is either way. The truth is they may or may not even know that you have forgiven them, but you will know. And how you'll know is that the pain will lessen and lessen, and finally you won't feel it anymore. That's how you know that you've forgiven. One day you won't even feel it. You won't ever forget, though. And with God's grace, you will be able to live a life with peace, love, hope, and grace as your guideposts. Well, that's all I have to say about that, but I love you guys. Um, I hope you'll really um, think about forgiveness and people in your, in your own life that you may need to forgive. I love you guys, and I look forward to seeing you June 21st. Have a great day. Thank you, Wendy. That was so powerful and so right on. Um, You know, forgiveness has a lot of different uh, aspects to it. There's a lot of different points that you need to talk about to examine forgiveness. I think the one that I see in Scripture more than any of them is that forgiveness does not stop with me or with you. When God forgives us, God doesn't just forgive us and expect forgiveness to stop with us. Colossians 3.13, don't be angry with each other, but forgive each other. Now, let me just stop you right there. This is a reason to be in church. God has established the church for us to learn to love. He's established the church so we could learn to forgive. There's times in church when you're going to be angry with each other. You're going to have an opportunity to have to forgive. And and the scripture goes on to say, if you feel someone's wronged you, forgive them. You know, I, I can tell you in my 40 years of walking with the Lord, I, I think I've seen more people offended by church than just about anything else. There's lots of reasons that we get offended at people in church. And the reason is the devil gets on people's shoulders because he doesn't want you here. He wants you divided from your brothers and sisters. And so he's constantly telling you and accusing. And it's our job not to listen. It's our job to forgive. And then he lends this verse in Colossians 3.13 with, Forgive others because the Lord forgave you. That's the thing. It's a circle. Forgiveness is this huge circle. It begins with the Lord. He forgives forgives each of us this huge debt, and then he expects our heart to be transformed as a result of that and that we would go ahead and forgive others, that we would walk in this uh, cycle, this self-perpetuating cycle of forgiveness and mercy and forgiveness and mercy that begins from him. 
that there would be an atmosphere in this room of forgiveness, of grace. And that, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I think there's more people out of church today because they refuse to forgive than just about any other reason. Somebody had been in church, you know, for years. I've heard this testimony so many times, and the, the preacher hurt them or some leader hurt them or the, something happened to one of their children in the church or something. There's just this reason for them to have an offense towards the church. And I just think it's time for us as the church to begin to embrace something that Jesus said was the cornerstone of being a Christian, and that is to forgive. Luke 6, 37, 38, he says, Judge not, or you're going to be judged. Condemn not, or you shall be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. It's that attitude, that attitude of forgiveness that we walk in, that attitude that we're not here to judge, that attitude that we're never here to condemn, that attitude that we're always here to forgive no matter what. It's absolutely essential that we heed this from the Lord. It's essential for our own happiness, personally, corporately, that we live in harmony with one another in our home, in our church. Because unforgiveness, it has no place in the church. Jesus made this so clear in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. He said this, If you bring your gift to the altar, that means to the church, there you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift, or then come back to church. God doesn't want this kind of spirit in the church. He doesn't want you to stay away. He wants you to deal with it. Now, if you read that verse closely, you, you hear something there that's probably not real popular, that the responsibility to make things right rests on us, not on the offender. Now, that doesn't seem right. In fact, you hear that and you go, well, Jesus, that's not fair. These people hurt me. They should owe me an apology. They should come to me. But Jesus said, if you find out that you have something against your brother, if there's something between you and someone else, it is up to you to go and make things right. That's, that's difficult to do. It requires the Spirit of God. It requires an intentional, deliberate effort to make that work. You know, there's something about forgiveness that maybe you haven't thought of, but it's, it's this idea that when we're forgiven by God, it actually empowers us to become forgivers. Forgiveness empowers. This is a true story that Max Licato recorded in his book, In the Grip of Grace. And it's, it goes like this. During the early days of the Civil War, a Union soldier was arrested on charges of desertion. Unable to prove his innocence, he was condemned and sentenced to die a deserter's death. His appeal found its way to the desk of Abraham Lincoln. The president felt mercy for the soldier and signed a pardon. The soldier returned to service, fought the entirety of the war, yet was killed in his last battle. Found within the breast pocket was the signed letter from the president. Closest to the heart of the soldier were the leader's words, his president's words of pardon. He found grace, and then he found courage. I love this little short story. I believe it, it's, the, it's that hidden truth about forgiveness that we maybe don't grasp. That actually when we forgive someone, it actually empowers them to go on and to be something that maybe they weren't able to be before. When the president pardoned this man, you noticed he was a deserter, but he found courage to go back into the war and fought the war 
and, and fought bravely, even to the point of losing his life in his final battle. True forgiveness brings empowerment. We're able to do something that we weren't capable of doing before. Now, I say that to say this. There's a lot of people in the church and people that have been in and out of the church, and a lot of people need forgiveness and they need to forgive. And this needs to become such a normal part of our, our uh, uh, daily routine as a church that we find it to be empowering people around us to become who God created them to be. As I was praying about this message, God began to drop this story in my heart that I knew, and you know it too. It's out of Mark 2. It's a very common story, but he started dropping it into my heart with this truth about empowerment and how the church has a responsibility corporately of bringing forgiveness to individual members that need to be touched by the Lord's forgiveness. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And you know the story. It's about when Jesus came into Capernaum and he was started to preach in this home, and the home became so full of people that nobody could get near Jesus. But Jesus was in there preaching. It says that there was no room left, and so there was these men, this group of men, and they were bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man and it was, it was carried by four men. Now, I want to stop right there and just tell you that this is a picture of the church. These four men that are carrying this paralyzed man, they're carrying him to Jesus, yet they can't get to him for one reason or another. Sometimes there's a lot of obstacles that keep people from getting to Jesus, the place where they can receive healing. And it's the church's responsibility to get these people in front of the Lord. I just want to tell you, more, we have a very simple approach to worship and to church completely. It's our, our goal every time we meet is to bring you into an encounter with God. We want our worship to be an encounter with God. We want the Word of God when it's taught for you to have an inner encounter with the Holy Spirit of God. When we minister, we want you to have an encounter with God. Why? Because the encounter with God is where you will be healed, you will be set free, you will experience something that could change your life forever. We, we want it to be that way. We, we design everything to bring you into that encounter. That's what these men were doing. They knew the only hope for this paralyzed man was to get him to Jesus. Who knows why he was paralyzed? It doesn't tell us why he was paralyzed or how long he had been paralyzed. I'll tell you this, there's a lot of people in the world that are paralyzed spiritually, that are paralyzed, they don't feel like they can even get near God, that they feel unworthy to go to God, that they feel like their sin has disqualified them, or they feel rejected because of what they've heard said to them before. Maybe they have fear of God. But it's the church that's to bring them and, and bring them and put them in the feet of Jesus. It said since they could not get them to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. Do you see the church? Our job corporately is to remove every obstacle that keeps people from the Lord. Not to put obstacles up. You know, people come in here, they shouldn't hear reasons why God would disqualify them. They should see that everything's been eliminated so they can come right into the presence of Jesus. We're not to put up any obstacle. We're to rip the roof off. You know, people say that, you know, sometimes we operate with a glass ceiling. In this case, it was a thatched roof. You know, there's times that we, we limit God because we have this ceiling above our head. The church's responsibility is to remove that so that God can touch people that are paralyzed, that need a touch. 
You know, Wendy said it really well in her testimony. She said she had to make a deliberate choice every time, every day, that the pain rose up and threatened to overpower her resolve to forgive. You see, there's things that paralyze us. There's things that keep us from getting into the presence of God, and we need to remove those things. And these people did. By digging through it, they lowered the mat down, the man lying on it, and they, went, they, they laid them down right in front of Jesus. Now listen to this. Jesus said, it says here that Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Listen to what that's saying. It's saying because the church tore every obstacle out, they lowered this person into the front of the Lord, that Jesus said he saw their faith. Whose faith? Those four men's faith. He saw the church's faith. When, when the Lord looks down and he sees a unified group of people that are determined to open the door to every single person, man, woman, and child that's ever walked on the face of the earth and tell them that they have access to God, he sees that faith and he honors that faith. Jesus, when he died, he tore the veil in two. The church's job is not to re-sew the veil and keep people from God. It's to keep the veil torn and access to God. That corporate faith, that corporate faith, when he saw their faith, has greater power than individual faith. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the Word teaches over and over again that corporate faith has greater power than individual faith. If you need a breakthrough, there's your reason to get into church. If you need a breakthrough, you need to find a church, a group of people that will rally around you and hang on to you and make a way for you to get in front of Jesus because their faith is stronger than individual faith. It's proven in the Word. So it says he said your sins are forgiven. You know, whenever we begin to bring people to Christ and it's people that maybe other people think don't deserve to be told that their sins are forgiven. Maybe they think that that's reckless. We put it out on our sign from time to time that Jesus said your sins are forgiven. It's true. It's universally true. Jesus died for the sin of the world, not just for a few people that know how to get their life together. He died for everybody. But it offends religious people because they don't want it to be that way. And these teachers that were sitting there and saw Jesus do this, it says they thought to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that that was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Religion always opposes freedom. I just want to say this. Religion always opposes freedom. You have a church that wants to walk in freedom of worship or freedom of expression or uh, freedom for its members to be who God created them to be or freedom for people to even come in when they're broken and you know, whatever it is, religion will always oppose that freedom. And then Jesus answers that with this. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up and take your mat and walk? What a great challenge Jesus put up. This is what he's saying. He's saying that the power of forgiveness is to empower someone to do something they couldn't do before they were forgiven. This man could not pick up his mat and walk before he encountered the Lord and before he was forgiven. But now, because he had been forgiven, it enabled him to do what he couldn't do previously. I just want to say this. When Wendy forgave me, it empowered me to believe in myself again. It empowered me to be the man God created me to be. If she had withheld that forgiveness, I don't know that I ever would have stepped back into ministry. 
Forgiveness empowers people to become who they were intended to be. It's the way God designed it. And Jesus goes on to say, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And, and, and we just saw it earlier in this message. Not only does he have authority, he's given that authority to the church. We have the authority to, to bind and loose here on earth. We have great authority. And he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up and he took his mat and he walked out in, few, in full view of them all. And this amazed everybody. They praised God and they said, we've never seen anything like that before. You know, I've been back at this church since 2003. And I can't tell you how many times over those years since I've been back that people have been amazed that this church's grace and forgiveness for me as their senior leader and their trust in God and trust in me to reinstate me, to restore me, that people say, we've never seen that happen before. I love that. We know it's operation of God when people say, I've never seen that before. God's grace empowers us to be gracious. I know in my case that I've received so much grace so much forgiveness in my lifetime. I could never have pastored a church like this if God hadn't enabled me to do things that I'm not able to do by myself. My experiences of God's forgiveness have empowered me to be what God's created me to be. God goes on and says the church has a job to do, and it's in 2 Corinthians 3.6. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. The new covenant, not of written laws but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. I want to say that first part of that verse again. He has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. How does he enable us? He enables you by forgiving you. When he forgives you of your sins and you're born again, you have been enabled to give that same forgiveness to anyone you meet. You're ministering in the new covenant. You see, Wendy was a minister of the new covenant. Her spirit led her to forgive me. You know, if, if Wendy had stopped with what was written, just the written word, if she had stopped there, and even in traditional thinking of Christianity, she would not have forgiven me. She would have divorced me, and she would have had biblical cause. No, but she didn't do that. She wanted to minister in the new covenant. She wanted to minister in the spirit. And the spirit, of the, God, the spirit of the living God told her at the very beginning, Daryl's going to be back in his place. Daryl's going to be back in ministry. I didn't believe it, but she believed it. And she knew it was up to her to forgive me. She never doubted me. She forgave me. And that had tremendous corporate and kingdom impact. That's the reason it's important to be in church. It's important so that we can operate in the way God has blessed us to operate. We have so much authority as a body and as a unit, unified body to forgive and to release and to bring people to the presence of God and to release them into who God created them to be. So I've shared this whole message about forgiveness to get to this point here at the end. And as we do this ministry time, I just want to ask you a simple question. Do you need to forgive someone? Maybe nobody comes to your mind right now. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus says something interesting. He says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. For your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. He says that when we're praying, many times in our spirit, someone comes to our mind. 
someone that we need to make peace with, someone we need to write a letter to or make a phone call. Maybe we need to just, you know, go see them or whatever, but we need to forgive. He says it's a very important part of walking with him. You know, when we're praying in his spirit, God can make intercession and he can bring those people to our mind. And then we have to make that deliberate choice, that deliberate choice to forgive. It's not going to be natural. It's something that goes against your spirit, your natural spirit. But God's Holy Spirit can help you to forgive. Ask him and he will forgive. And maybe you just need to forgive yourself. Maybe you have done things and you feel so shameful and wrong and you feel like you don't deserve to be forgiven. And I just want to tell you today, you may not deserve it. I didn't. But that's what grace is. It's undeserved favor and forgiveness and grace from God. And God wants to forgive you. And then he wants you to be in a church where you can help create an atmosphere of what you've received, what you freely receive, you can freely give to others to create that atmosphere of grace that we're supposed to all walk in here in this world. So yes, the world is full of injustice. The world is full of all kinds of evil. But God's house should be full of grace and forgiveness and restoration for all kinds of people. So I just invite you, whenever we reconvene June 21st, make a deliberate effort to be here. Make a deliberate effort to be who God created you to be and come in here and receive the grace that God wants you to receive. We want to pray with you. We want, we want to be a, uh, in your life and be a part of your life and help you to grow in the Lord. So let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. I thank you, God, for forgiving all these that are in this, in this audience this morning. And we pray, Father, that we would not let forgiveness stop in our heart, but that we would go out we would find someone to purposely uh, minister to in the new covenant way. That we would forgive and love and forgive and love, and that the circle would never be broken. We thank you, God, for the way that you deal with us. We love you. We thank you. God bless. Amen. Good morning, more church. We miss you so much. We can't wait to worship in person again. We just want to invite you to worship with us this morning from wherever you're at and just to invite the Lord into that place. God, we thank you for your presence that's everywhere. May you never leave us. You never turn your heart away from us always present. You're always kind. You're always so good to us, Lord. We just want to celebrate you this morning. We want to celebrate your goodness and your kindness and your faithfulness. Even in times that feel uncertain and scary, we thank you, God, that you are right here. That you're with us in the valleys and on the mountaintops, and we just celebrate you and your presence, God.
Chase me down and you don't give up Cause you love me so 
like you chase me down and you don't give up Cause you love us so, so, so much Yeah, you chase us down and you don't give up And you love us so, so, so much
Take